Are we ready? Ready for what you might ask? Have we got our boots on? Are we in the right place? Are we in or are we out? God loves us. We've gone our own way. We've blown it. Jesus paid the price for us on that cross that we could be forgiven, that we could uh, accept his free gift of forgiveness um, and that we could become friends with God, that we could have peace with him, that we could no longer be against him but be with him and for him. It talks about us entering into relationship with God, about us being adopted as his children. And Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So what does it look like to know God, to be in relationship with him, to be his children? Well, I've made certain observations watching my brother and sister-in-law, Andy and Chrissy, with their three-and-a-half-year-old son, Ralph. Andy works as a gardener. Chrissy runs a shop uh, called Christina's that sells fair trade and ethical goods. And from my observation with Ralph and his parents, they love spending time together. They love going on adventures together. Ralph likes to do what he sees his parents do and follow them. And his parents love seeing him do what they do. Um, And so... uh, Not only that, but they like to see him get involved in the family business. So uh, Andy does gardening, so Ralph does gardening. Chrissy is in the shop, and so uh, Ralph is in the shop. He takes on the family business. And I think it's the same with our Heavenly Father. What, What pleases him? What does he enjoy? I think he loves spending time with us. I think he loves going on adventures with us. I think he loves it when we listen to to what he's saying and do what he wants us to do. He says, be holy because I, your God, am holy. He wants us to be like him. And so what what does he say? What does he want us to do? Well, I have to say, a few months ago, I was really challenged. My sister and brother-in-law, Ruth and Daniel, were visiting in August, and they got me to listen to a preach by David Lomas, a pastor of a church in San Francisco. And he said, and he admitted, he admitted that it sounded outrageous, he said, what's embedded in a lot of our spirituality is this lie that what God really wants from us is our spiritual practices, our prayer life and our Bible study and our fellowship groups and our worship and our singing and our giving to the church. He says, this is no different than what Israel thought. He goes on to say, prayer and worship make us feel good, and we think that is enough. So let's have a read of Isaiah 58. And I've kind of cut bits out just uh, in the interest of time. But God says, declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. And I'd like to think that's what, what we want to be doing. As if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? 
Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rearguard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. And so I don't know about you, but I found that really challenging. Um, I don't, it's not that our personal relationship with God through prayer and Bible reading and praising and meeting with God's people is not important. Those are essential. But uh, I think the thinking is that surely these things uh, must, must overflow into us loving others um, and really putting, putting ourselves out for people to act justice and love mercy. And we receive similar challenges in the New Testament. James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So I find this really challenging. But let's have a look at what Jesus says about what he came to do. Luke 4, 18-19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And that's really what we see him do, isn't it? So when John the Baptist is in prison and he's, he's wondering, is Jesus really the one that we were expecting? Is he the Messiah? Is he the one to come? He sends his disciples to say, are you the one? And this is how Jesus responds. Go and tell John what you hear, what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So there's... Loving in words, he is preaching the good news about Jesus, but he is also uh, loving in very practical ways and seeing miraculous signs and wonders and miracles. And notice that there seems to be particular attention to the poor and the sick and the needy. And also people are offended by Jesus. It's difficult to accept the message. We've gone wrong, we're bad, we need Jesus' forgiveness. And so we can expect people to be offended when we share the good news with them. So we've looked at what God said to his, his people in the Old Testament. We've looked at what Jesus said uh, about why he was here. What does Jesus say to his followers? Um, he says, go, proclaim as you go, this is in Matthew 9, 10, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Or in other translations, freely you've received, now freely give. And I think that's the case. Where Ephesians 6, 15 says you have, it says, put on, the shoe, put on as shoes for your feet, the readiness that is given by the gospel of peace. And I think as we receive this amazingly good news, that surely has to provoke a readiness in us to to love God wholeheartedly and to love others. And, And it's difficult, but Jesus says, if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. So what do we see? Jesus seemed to be both preaching and sharing the good news in words and actions, healing the sick, raising the dead. He, yeah. And so, but, he, but he, he is also warning people that it's one of two ways. It's either for him or against him. Eternal separation 
from him or eternal peace with God and relationship with him. And I think the more that we realise what we've been saved from, the more grateful and thankful and joyful we become and surely the more desperate we become to share the good news about Jesus with others. We see in Luke uh, that Jesus had been teaching from the boat and then he asked Jesus, uh, Simon to, to push out into the deeper water. And Peter had been trying to catch fish all night and then there's a miraculous number of fish uh, caught to the extent that they had to call James and John to come in another boat. But when Simon saw it, he fell, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me from a sinful man, O Lord. Peter gets revelation of who Jesus is and becomes incredibly aware of his sin um, and of the reality that God is holy and we are not. But then Jesus comes alongside him and says, do not be afraid, I'm going to make you fishers of people, fisher of people. Uh, And Peter's response reminded me of Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, where he says, wow, holy, holy, holy are you, God. And then when he's forgiven, he says, here am I, send me. And that's what we want to be like. I think that shows a readiness um, that comes from receiving the good news about Jesus. And then uh, with, with Peter and the, uh, with, and the other disciples, James and so on, it says, when they'd brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They had a readiness mindset. So if we have readiness as shoes for our feet, then I think we're like these guys that are saying, here I am, send me. Um, so uh, going forward after Jesus has risen from the dead and just before he was um, going to ascend to heaven he says I, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses and you'll go to the ends of the earth so again he's saying you will be my witnesses so what about after that what do we see the early church do I love reading in Acts 4 Peter and John had just healed a man lame from birth And it says the religious leaders were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. And so they were arrested. And the next day, before being released, they're told not to speak or teach about Jesus. And what do they say? They say, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And then what do we read on their release? They gather with other believers and come before God in prayer. And what do they pray? And now, Lord... Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hands to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. There was a dependence on God. They were Christians gathering together, being filled with the Spirit and clearly on the mission Jesus had them on. So they go back into the world to share the good news of Jesus in word and deed. I think they were wearing shoes of redness. I guess the question is, are we? And what about the church since then? Well, um, in in the book A Church for the Poor, they reflect on the, the Quaker movement and the Methodist movement and the Welsh revival. And they say, interestingly, when God moves in revival power, it almost always starts with the poor and ordinary working people. So we've looked at the people of God in the Old Testament. We've looked at Jesus and what he said and did and sent his disciples out to do. We've looked at the early church and we've mentioned British church history. 
Notice there's a call to be out in the world, telling people the good news about Jesus and showing our love in action and ideally with signs and wonders and miracles. There wasn't really a separation between telling people about Jesus and doing what Jesus would do in caring for others. It was loving with both words and deeds and they seemed to go particularly uh, to the poor and marginalised. So what about us, King's Church Edinburgh? What does it look like? What does God want it to look like? Um, It was really cool to to see all the things um, going on and all the different things that people are leading um, and all the different opportunities to get involved and love and serve others in really practical ways and also hopefully taking opportunities to to preach the good news about Jesus. Um, And actually, I'll just tell a quick story to encourage you. I think God wants us to scatter lots of seed um, and see what happens. And 15 years ago, uh, pretty much exactly, um, I, I was at university. I had some Christmas carol flyers in my pocket wanting to be ready for the opportunities because um, obviously it's a really easy invite. And I was at a... Um, it was a, there was some kind of Christmas market going on and there'd been a girl that I first met in Freshers' Week and we'd maybe bumped into each other a bit. Um, didn't really know her properly and we bumped into each other. Again, she was the other side of the stool selling stuff and I invited her to the, the carol service and I think I was, we were hosting a, a, an international Christmas party as well. Um, and this might show my age, but um, back then Facebook barely existed and you still phoned people, even as students. And, um, and so I gave her a, ri- a, a ring to say, um, do you want to come? And she couldn't come to the carol service, but she could come to the, the international party or she was going to be a bit late, but I was like, oh, yeah, still come. Um, now, she was one of a number of people that I invited along because uh, I, I was obviously trying to scatter as much seed as possible. Um, and she came along, and I, I, who knows what God... God had clearly been working in her before that point. I didn't know. Uh, tragic stuff had happened in her life. and um, But you could tell that she was hungry for God. And, and over those coming months, we spent time... Um, we spent time in each other's houses. We spent time eating together. We spent time on um, perilous camping trips together. And, um, and she came to know Jesus. And actually, just last week, um, on the new ground um, thing, she was there with her husband, Pete, and, and their three kids. They're involved in the church plant in Berlin, and, and I, I was visiting them just over a year ago, and we, and we were praying uh, as we were walking the streets before picking the kids up. And, um, and then we bumped into some of the friends that she'd been telling me about and that we'd been praying about. And she's someone who really loves, loves people, who stops for the one, who really cares and, and, and really loves to share Jesus in word and deed with others. Now, I, I didn't know that was going to happen from just inviting her and giving her a ring. And so who knows, who knows what, will, how God will use uh, what we do over these coming weeks and months. So I just really encourage you uh, to just scatter loads of seed. So what about us, King's Church Edinburgh? What does it look like? What does God want it to look like? 
We believe God is asking for us to pray for the immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So I think it's difficult to imagine. But um, along the lines of 1 Corinthians 12, 26, where it says, rejoice, um, rejoice with each other. I just, I just wanted to mention some people that inspire me in the way that they're living their lives for Jesus in word and deed, out in the world, um, at different ages and stages of life. So... I'll just try and be very quick. There's Jackie and Viv, two ladies already serving the homeless who are, are looking forward to retirement and they're thinking, God, how do, you want us to, how do you want us to live for you in our retirement stages? Viv's stepping out, putting the Share Life course into practice, sharing, trying to share the good news. And, and uh, Jackie has got a real heart for refugees and is, is looking into that. Julia who shares baking with her neighbours and, and Jesus with her friends and her family and people in the shop and just generally brings joy to people. Pete and Kiri, who host music nights to get the Christian and non-Christian world mixing, who Kiri's working alongside children who are blind and in deprived areas, as well as helping to mobilise us as a church with the food bank and organising hampers, as we've just seen. Brilliant. Richard and Mary, who share Jesus with their teenage sons, with their Airbnb guests, with their friends, and on the streets, and kind of lead people like me on the streets too. And they're engaging in the realms of politics and education and with issues of injustice. Ashley and Gia, couples who've worked tirelessly in the realm of anti-trafficking. David Thresher, who quietly gets alongside those who, who are not quite sure how to include themselves. He loves them. He takes time with them. He's not in a hurry to rush away. He declines church leadership roles to have more time for activities out in the world, joining a choir and an acting class to get to know more people who don't know Jesus. Uh, Sarah Phillips, who works as a primary school teacher, who cares for her parents struggling with ill health, who befriends older people along with Maria, investing in relationships over years and taking opportunities to speak the good news about Jesus. David and Libby, who, who church planted in Livingston, welcome strangers into their home for the night who would otherwise be homeless, care for their granddad in his dying months, get alongside friends at the school gates, into school alpha and build extensions with a view to adopting. Caring for those with mental ill health, travelling long distances to visit those who are sick, mourning with those who mourn, feeding the homeless and bringing friends to Alpha. Louise, a student who gets baptised and invites multiple mates of different faiths, vulnerable with her flatmates, sharing her testimony, who's a form rep for her course, wanting to love and serve her fellow students and influence university culture. And Sophie and Sophie and Sam, youth who were recently at one of the prayer meetings, praying for their schoolmates that they would know rest and that they would, uh, that they would have boldness to share the good news about Jesus. Teenagers out in the world, engaging with issues their friends are facing and wanting to share Jesus' love. And so the list of what these people do and the list of people itself could quite easily go on. But are you inspired? Are you excited? Are you ready for more of what God might be calling us to out in the world? What can we learn from these guys? They love God. They gather together with his people, praying for more boldness to share the good news about Jesus and spurring one another on to love and good deeds. They've got their shoes of readiness on. They're out in the world, knowing they're part of God's family in the business of sharing the love of Jesus in both word and deed with those who don't yet know him and gravitating towards the poor and marginalised and oppressed. oppressed. Are you inspired and excited? Because I am. So shortly before Jesus was arrested and crucified, he's praying to his heavenly father and he says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. God loves us. We've blown it. 
but Jesus humbled himself and died on a cross in our place and rose again to life, offering us this amazing free gift of forgiveness that we must receive it if we want to have peace with God. And for those who accept his forgiveness and leadership, he then welcomes us into his family as children and invites us to take on the family business of sharing the love of Jesus in word and deed out in the world with those who don't yet know him. Are you ready? And one last thing. Yeah, I guess, are you ready? And you might be thinking, but Anne, it's COVID. I think, <laughs> I, I've had friends saying, yeah, I've got more time. I think, what is it all about? I've had a colleague say, yeah, I've been thinking more about Jesus in recent months. Um, just within the last two weeks, wasn't really expecting this, but I have had the opportunity to, to share the good news with a couple of people via Zoom. Zoom opens, has opened. Um, in some ways, things have been opened up. The nations have been coming to, to online alpha. And people are in need. I've been able to do shopping and post mail from my, my neighbours, and they've kindly been guarding my, my, my post and given me gifts of soap and sanitizer and plant seedlings and books. I did wonder whether they may be trying to make me more educated and domesticated. Um, but lots of us are getting to know people better. And um, I think there's just loads of opportunities in this time. I think God is, is wanting to do so much through his people. Um, the question is, are we ready? <laughs>